Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor, none other than Jessica Burbank, TYT contributor, remarkable individual, will be a fascinating breakdown. Top story of the day, former Vice President Mike Pence says it is time to get rid of Social Security and Medicare, at least as we know it. Now, remember, just a few days ago, the President of the United States, Joe Biden, mentioned this during the State of the Union speech. He said, hey, I have a proposal, I'm not going to show anybody because I'm courteous. Republicans have been trying to get rid of Social Security for a very long time. They decided to heckle the President of the United States. Let me first go to Mike Pence, here it is. The size of our nation's economy is unsustainable. The last time this happened was after World War II. And the only way we got over it was through sound economic policies and a, and a post-war booming economy. Now we literally have a paralysis in Washington DC that says we're never even gonna talk about reforming 70% of the federal budget. That's what entitlement, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, are all in that cash, and and we, we simply are not going to restore the fiscal health of this nation by simply nibbling at the edges of the federal budget. I, I submit to you that uh, we have to have a conversation about reforming entitlements in the days ahead. Mm, entitlements, you say. Former VP, you do realize the federal government makes no money. Uh, the federal government creates no revenue. They take the revenue that we create and then allocate or distribute the resources. No entitlement here. But once again, we go back to the dynamic of what? Contrast. Republicans do want to take your Social Security and Medicare, privatize it, so that their rich friends can get even richer while at the same time, not providing a service in which you deserve. Now, does it need to be fixed? Of course, every governmental program needs fixing, tweaking, updating, etc. That's normative in the process of government maintenance. That's how it works. But when this happened, it should have been different. Here it is. Some of my Republican friends want to take the economy hostage. I get it, unless I agree to their economic plans. All of you at home should know what those plans are. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. <laughs> Let me give you anybody who doubts it, contact my office. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. Well, I did contact Joe Biden's office. I have not received a copy of that proposal. I do believe he has one. Why would a Republican give the proposal to the Democratic president of the United States? Well, that's because whoever gave that proposal, they know President Biden is an institutionalist. If you just tell Joe, hey, let's keep this off record. I'm going to send you something that will destroy millions of American lives. Just don't say anything, be courteous, don't mention my name. All of those Republicans who stood up would have received a sharp, sharp rebuttal from me. 
our president of the United States. Don't want to be not trying to give you any ideas. Bottom line is Joe Biden should have been prepared for that moment. Should have had a website set up. Website can be called lionassrepublicans.com. You can find all of the commentary about how Republicans have tried to get rid of this program that they are acting as if they have not. They were clutching their pearls as if something strange had been said during that State of the Union. Let's get into it. Former Vice President Mike Pence on Thursday called to end Social Security and Medicare and instead replaced them with, as he, as he called it, a better deal for younger Americans. Pence proposed keeping the current system in place for people who will retire in the next 20 years. It's about leadership, he says. We can replace the new deal with a better deal. And I'm going to be part of that conversation. Before ending the interview, Pence confirmed that he still is considering a 2024 presidential run. The former VP has been a longtime advocate of social security privatization, which was rejected during President George W. Bush's administration. All right, um, who's the king of debt, ladies and gentlemen? Personal debt and American debt? Yeah, you know, Donald Trump. Uh, President Donald Trump certainly lived up to his self-proclaimed status as king of debt during his term in office. The national debt spiked by $7 trillion during Trump's tenure. Um, yeah, messaging. The substance of this is clear. Republicans are contrary to the general sentiment of most Americans. However, they remain an effective political class because of presentation and our lack thereof. Messaging is not complex, but it does require coordination, repetition, and staying on point. All right, my dear sister, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, with this debt ceiling fight looming, it puts us in a really interesting place because we're in a period of fiscal tightening. The IRS had a record collection year. We're watching the national deficit shrink, which isn't always a good thing because it can drive the private sector into deficit because you need money to make money. You need yep. dollars out there in the economy to produce things of value and be productive and keep people employed. It puts us in a bad position when the national debt becomes too small. But we're in an interesting place with a Republican controlled house because they're saying, we're not gonna raise the debt ceiling. It's putting the federal government in a position where then they have to decide what they're going to fund and not fund, or they decide to spend more than they're authorized to, both of which are entirely illegal. And it suggests we're heading towards a looming shutdown. And instead of saying, all right, let's look at what we've got going on here. Let's do some budget reconciliation. They're saying, let's cut our most popular policies that people have paid into throughout their entire lives. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, the idea that they're entitlements and not something that people have worked towards is insane. Because even if they weren't paying for their retirement in tax dollars, they're still producing things of value for American corporations throughout the entire entirety of their, their working lives. And so the idea that these corporations are then getting tax breaks and not paying into our public programs, it suggests that we're just robbing the working class and people like Mike Pence and the Republicans are complicit. Yeah, well said. You know, I have a recommendation. How about we start with our massive war programs uh, or perhaps corporations and their big, big tax breaks. Good place to start. Tucker 
little Tuck Tuck Carlson actually called Trump a demonic force on the night or the evening of the terrorist attack on January 6th. Remember that? Let's put this picture up for a mass, all right? On the night of January 6th, 2021, Tucker Carlson referred to then President Trump, and I quote, as a demonic force in a text to his producer after Trump supporters stormed the Capitol. Meanwhile, on his show, Carlson has since downplayed the entire Capitol riot. Even referred to it as, and I quote, election justice protests. But privately, he called it demonic. Let's be very clear about what's happening with Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson is a play actor, he's a hypocrite to the highest level. He's on stage when he's on that show. He produces rhetoric rather than remedy. He talks to his producers authentically. Oh, Donald Trump is a demonic force. What's going on here? This is bad, this is wrong. Goes on television, Oh, listen guys, nothing but a little bit of election protest. There's more. It was one of many revelations, ladies and gentlemen, uh, provided because of a fouling by Dominion Voting Systems, which as you know, they are suing Fox News for defamation and seeking 1.6 billion in damages. Ironically, no one at Fox News uh, seemed to realize that when you defame a private company, that private company can sue. So they tried to qualify the private company as a public company or a publicly discussed company or a company that should not receive these particular protections because there was such public interest. But you all created the public interest. You, you don't get to play by those rules, all right? There's more. Two days after the 2020 election, with the result yet to be determined, Carlson fumed via text about Fox News calling Arizona for Joe Biden. Dominion's filing notes, the network was taking heavy criticism from conservatives at that time. Two months later, a mob of Trump supporters stormed the Capitol building to overturn the election while Congress was inside certifying the results. The filing said of the text, after January 6th, trying to thread the needle between the truth and pressure from his viewers and sponsors became even more difficult. Late on January 6th, Carlson texted with producer Alex uh, that Trump is a demonic force, a destroyer, but he's not going to destroy us. On January 26th, Carlson invited his leading sponsor, Mike Lindell, Pillow Man, on his show where Lindell spouted these same conspiracies on air after previewing them for Carlson's staff during a pre-interview. Now, remember when I told you all that everyone who goes on Tucker's show, the producers are well aware of the angle. So when somebody says something really ridiculous about, let's say black women, like Tucker did just a few days ago, they already know this person is going to say something really insane and ridiculous about black women. 
I did Tucker show for about a year and some change. Debated him, mopped the floor with the cat. But I was mandated every time to submit what angle I was coming from. It was a normative part of the production process. So Mike Lindell had to go through the same process. And he made it clear, here's what I'm going to talk about. Did Tucker provide pushback? No. Did he say, wait a minute, don't you think Donald Trump is a demonic force? No. Don't you think he's trying to destroy us? He said, none of that. There's more. Let's put him up. All right. Additionally, Dominion included an email from Fox News chairman, Rupert Murdoch, to CEO Susan Scott. This was on November 16, 2020. Nine days after various outlets called the election for Biden to say Trump was toast and that the network should focus on boosting GOP US Senate candidates in Georgia. Well, I be damned, uh, Mr. Fair and Balance. Fair and balance? Literally, the guy is saying, hey, let's keep lying about the Trump conspiracy thing, but really let's focus on winning Republican seats for the US Senate. There's more. In his email, Murdoch also expressed concern at the sudden rise of Newsmax. There it is, right in your face, which briefly scored a ratings win over Fox in the period between the 2020 election and Biden's inauguration. Why? Why did Newsmax have success with that audience? Because Newsmax was willing to double down on the conspiracies, to highlight the insanity, and to provide information contrary to the truth. So what did Fox News do in return? They tried to compete as a race to the bottom. All right, Murdoch told Scott, hey, read the Wall Street Journal piece about Newsmax, telling her, and I quote, These people should be watched, if skeptically. Trump will concede eventually, and we should concentrate on Georgia, helping any way we can. We don't want to antagonize Trump further, but Giuliani, taken with a large grain of salt, everything at stake here. Time proved Murdoch wrong, as Trump never conceded. But the chairman's email encapsulated the bind Fox News was in. It was becoming unfeasible to keep going along with specific claims of election fraud for Murdoch and Fox News. It was time to focus on Georgia. Despite Fox News attempt to boost both Republican candidates ahead of the runoffs, Democrats won each contest. John Ossoff defeated unseated Senator David Perdue and Raphael Warnock, the good Reverend and Senator ousted Kelly Leffler. Let's put her up, let's go, it's interesting. All right, also revealed in the brief, days after Trump lost the election to Biden, Fox News correspondent Jackie Henry correctly refuted a Trump tweet about Dominion that specifically mentioned Sean Hannity's show. So this is a person who actually told the truth, provided a basis for her her commentary and her fact finding. According to messages obtained by Dominion, Carlson told Hannity, and I quote, please get her fired. Please get her fired. 
seriously, what the F? I'm actually shocked. I know you are talking somebody at Fox News telling the truth. The hell is going on over here? It needs to stop immediately, like tonight. After Carlson added that he just went crazy on executive vice president Mead Cooper over it. Hannity responded that he had already mentioned it to CEO Susan Scott. I just dropped the bomb. Hannity later texted his team. Uh, what are they upset about again? Not that she was inaccurate, but she told the truth. No text message said, wait a minute, what is she talking about here? That's inaccurate, that's wrong. She needs to correct it for the record immediately. We're professionals at Fox News. These are a bunch of damn clowns, uh, every single one of you, all right? Every single one of you at Fox News are clowns. You, your managers, your supervisors, and probably your mama, clowns. There's more. Scott would soon tell President Jay Wallace and Senior VP for Corporate Communications, Irina Briganti, that Henrich has serious nerve doing this. And if this gets picked up, viewers are going to be further disgusted. Yeah, they would be because you indoctrinated them to believe lies. The reporter would later delete that tweet, replacing it with one that fact checked Trump quoting far right channel one America news. Um, this is all insane, but really not surprising. I'm glad we actually have some more concrete information, right? But we always knew these cats were playing games. Gaslighting individuals, promoting lies, pontificating on things that were not true. But here's the thing, do you think their viewers will realize that they're liars? Probably not. I mean, maybe Tucker gets to say, hey, fake news and move on. All right, Jessica, thoughts here. There's so much going on here. I mean, yeah. first, uh, we know the answer to the question. Did Tucker Carlson sell his soul or did he never have one to start off with? This is something I've wondered for a while. It seems as though he sold it because of behind the scenes, he's acknowledging that what Donald Trump is doing is terribly violent, it's demonic forces. But on screen, he's saying something different and having guests on that hold a different view. It's pretty clear. He's just saying what he's paid to say by his advertisers. But you don't really get to run a news program that weaponizes hate for views and then be surprised when your viewers do something hateful. That's exactly what happened on January 6th. Uh, and when deciding between you know demonic forces or not, Tucker Carlson chose to decide with demonic forces. And I know he has a lot of Christian viewers. I'm not sure how they feel about how he's decided to stand on this issue. And when they say that Fox, is fair and balanced, what they're deciding between is white supremacist mob violence and staying out of lawsuits on the other side of the scale. I mean, that's really the calculation they're making when they say fair and balanced. It has nothing to do with any sense of justice. Fair well said, fair well said. All right, we will follow this story uh, to see how Fox viewers respond. All right. Indisputable exclusive update, a man who should not be dead is di has died because of police and paramedics. We've reported on this. Now we have information about the paramedics deciding to engage 
basically in laughter about the death of this brother. Let's put up the video, here it is. Oh, no. Sir, put your hands behind your back. Please. Put your hands behind your Come back. On. Hey. No. Put your hands behind your back. Take your hands out of your pocket. Put your hands behind your back. You're not under Don't arrest. Put your hands behind your back. I will. Sir. Okay, I'm done. Okay, put your hands behind your back. Sir. You're okay, bro. We're gonna be code one for one of the three. They're gonna be in front of 7-Eleven at Weber and Listen to what we're saying, sir. We're here to help you. Put your, then stop. Kevin. All right. Seven. Four, 26, All right, roll them over on the side. I set them up. Set him up. Set him up. Sir. They killed him. Now, what I'm about to show you is also very disturbing. Remember, this man was suffering a mental health crisis in that moment. Okay? They knew it, they were aware he was not 100% himself. This happened in Colorado Springs, Colorado. This individual should be alive, right? You would imagine the people that were there to help him, so to speak, would at least feel bad that they killed somebody. Because according to them, they were there to help. Here's the next video. Now, the ex wife was supposed to be showing up, so we should have name and birth date okay. soon. She'll be pissed. Yeah. Any change? Hmm? Any change? Okay. He was acting erratic, okay. that he's had a problem with in the past, and that I know when they showed up, he was running around the road. So, and they oh. just went on responsive one after he fought him for a little bit and then just kind of went limp. Okay. So, that's all, that's all I know so far. So, ETOH and opioid. Yeah. Okay. It was that big, big. Wasn't the big dude. <laughs> I don't know. That was me. Well, you, yeah. you brought him down. You put him down. Dude, you were arrested. The, the, the cop, though, the cop did. He was chasing him, but then we lost it between this little grove of trees. And so I was like, my first time taking somebody down with this job. And I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. That now the clinician poked me. She's like, go help him restrain him. Yeah, yeah. I go to pull drugs out. And he's like, she's like, no, go help him. I was like, Hoop. High school football. Nice. <laughs> Good form, homie. Good form. Well, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Good form. Imagine how heartless you have to be to know that somebody is either dead or dying because of your actions. Minutes later, you're laughing about it. You literally have a job to save lives, to protect humanity. And a man is dying or perhaps already dead. And it is something funny to you. You heard the paramedic laughing about his involvement in the death of this man.
Kevin Dismong is his name. We also have uh, wording from his own daughter. Her name is Kenda. Kenda spoke directly to Indisputable. She said she could not bring herself to watch those videos you just saw. Here it is. I'm also a paramedic myself. And so I know in my heart that if they had handled it differently, he would still be alive, especially after receiving the autopsy report saying that it was ruled a homicide due to physical restraint. There's, there were a lot of other options I think that they had that they didn't utilize. I think the main one for me would have been calling for additional resources. You know, and again, I haven't watched the video, but the way it was described to me is their ultimate goal was to get him out of the street. Right. But when they took him down, he was in the dirt. That's out of the street. Why, why does his face have dirt caked in his eyes, ears, nose, mouth? If the ultimate goal was to keep him out of the street for his own safety, just seems like they went hands on way too fast and could have used additional help. And then my biggest thing is the paramedic didn't render aid. It seems like he almost didn't even recognize that there was a need for medical attention. And we're taught, you know, a site of delirium is a real medical emergency. And so it seemed like, number one, he didn't even recognize that. But number two, he didn't even attempt to provide any treatment for it. It's a damn shame. Put up the picture. This is Kevin Dismong, who died under police and paramedic restraint. Minutes after responders arrived. Dismong's wife says he was under the influence of methamphetamine, which led to his mental health episode. The city released the names of the officer, Sean Reed and paramedic Nicholas Fisher. The responders sent as a part of the city's critical response team. They were placed on leave following the incident. Indisputable obtained the El Paso County coroner's report. Let's put that up. This was the coroner's opinion signed by five separate medical doctors. The comment says the contribution of physical restraint to the cause of death results in the determination of a manner of homicide, man of death homicide. And that simply means, as I said before, another person did it, right? Dismonk's daughter, Kenda James, spoke to Indisputable. A representative of the El Paso County District Attorney's Office was made at her when she assessed, accessed the coroner's report from a leaker in the media. In the media, she said, we were best buddies pretty much the entire time growing up. And I mean, even up until this happened, really, he was definitely ornery and he was funny. And he had his share of demons, but he was always really good to me. I have two daughters and he did anything for them. Let's put up the attorneys representing the family. You don't want to see these cats coming. My good friends, Harry Daniels and Bakari Sellers. We have done a lot of stories related to these two men. Harry actually got in touch with me about this case when it first happened. Attorney Harry Daniels said the responders strangled a suffering man. Here's the quote, Chief Vasquez and the CSPD want us to believe that their CRT members are 
highly trained professionals. But Nicholas Fisher clearly didn't know what he was doing. That's why he tackled Kevin Dismond. That's why he used excessive and unnecessary force. And that's why a 63 year old grandfather in the middle of a mental health crisis died on the side of the road. You don't have to take my word for it. Fisher said it himself. Uh, let's put up the chief, the chief of Colorado Springs Police Department, um, Adrian Vasquez, and the El Paso County Sheriff Joseph Roybal. Colorado Springs Public Information Officer Robert Turnebing uh, directed indisputable to a statement after initially declining declining to comment. Here's the statement. Anytime a community member dies, we are saddened at the loss of life. You take these events seriously, and in this case, had the deadly force investigation team uh, led by the El Paso County Sheriff's Office investigate this event. It continues, they then sent the case to the fourth judicial district attorney's office for review and determination of the reasonableness of the force that was used. This exceeds the requirement by Colorado law. But we believe it is best for transparency and honest review for our community. Um, lip service, lip service, man is dead, family grieving, policies should change, heads should roll. Why? Why did this happen? Remember back to the microcosm. The microcosm is the incident, the macrocosm. We lack values. We should value the fact that special training is required for citizens who are going through a particular episode, who are not dangerous criminals, but simply require care, maybe a doctor. But we don't value what we should value. Uh, Jessica, thoughts here. Yeah, I think that's really well said. It's unfortunate that it's our culture now that when someone's in a, a time of trouble and a time of crisis, instead of being treated as they should be with more compassion, they're treated with moral cruelty, which doesn't make sense. But that's how our law enforcement operates today. It reminds me of this quote from Akbar Al-Havadi, which is, we're born people. And with great difficulty, we become human. And I don't think that's a, a statement about the natural state of things, but with how cruel and individualistic our society is. I think people feel it's brave to say, you know, we live in a cold world, and so I'm going to be cold and, and fight for myself. I think it's more brave to be compassionate and to say, this isn't okay that we treat each other like this. What's going on in our society is wrong, and to actually fight for something better. So my heart goes out for the family, and, and this isn't how things should be. Yeah, all right, we will give you developments as the investigation continues. We have more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, we have a lot of show left. I'm kind of pressed for time, but I will read as many comments as I can. Don't forget about the watch list, all right? Make sure you check out the big homie J.R. Jackson. New time, new time, new schedule. Weekdays, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific. GR shares his take on stories you should pay attention to. News, politics, culture, current event, events, sports, and more. Subscribe at youtube.com forward slash 
Watch list TYT. All right, let's get it. A lot of comments. Uh, Mickey C, the Silver Hair Dragon says, I have a strange radical opinion. How about Congress pays back the trillions they borrow from Social Security with interest? There you go. Uh, Puff the Purple Dragon. Well, thanks to Tucker, you finally nailed Trump's nickname, Demonic Donald. I like that. Demonic Donald. Okay. Got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Anything. So you never, so you never hit it? You never hit the car? I said it tapped your wheel. It did not tap the wheel. That's why you got out the car. You, you wouldn't be standing here with me if you did I not. I got out of the car what because are you yelling I'm calling for? to What the are you mall. yelling for? I'm not yelling at you. I got out of the car because I parked so it how, so I can go so, inside. So how would you feel if I hit your car door and act like I didn't hit it? How would you feel? I'm not acting like I didn't okay, hit it. Okay, so I'm asking you. I'm asking you. I've had it happen to me. Okay, and so how do you feel? How does it make you feel? It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good, right. So I'm asking you to just be reasonable. You're acting as if it never happened. No, I said it didn't, I did not say it didn't happen. Okay, so what would you like to do, ma'am? I don't think there's anything to do. What are you planning on doing? This is my thing. It, it will be ruined. I'm sorry that I okay. tapped it accidentally. Okay. I got more video. It's like talking to a five-year-old who does not want to admit they knocked over the milk, but there's nobody else in the room but them. Okay, here it is. I would just- My I, foot got caught. Listen, I understand we are all human and things happen. I'm not mad at you. I just don't like when people try to flip the strip. That's where I'm going with this, okay? So all I'm saying is in the future, in the future, just be mindful of how close you are and be mindful when you open your door that there is a possibility that you can hit someone's car. And then when you hit it, don't be so jumpy when they react. I'm reacting in the nicest way possible. I'm just reacting in a nice way. But I don't think you would react this way if it were the shoe on the other foot. That's all I'm saying. Well, I disagree with you on that. Okay, you want me to hit your car door and see how you feel? Well, I just want to see how you feel. Let me let me just hit your door real quick and see how you feel about it. Well played. You see, that had to be the nicest anti-Karen I've ever seen. She literally took the time to help the Karen journey to her own conclusion of responsibility. Fascinating. Uh, once again, ladies and gentlemen, the Karenicity runs deep. Uh, not taking responsibility, upset that the other person is upset by their own actions. And once again, would never want it to happen to them. All right, Jessica, thoughts here. I mean, really a masterclass on how to deal <laughs> right. with some kind of, any kind of uh, problem in public you have with another person. Every Karen should just study this and say, oh, there is a reasonable way to deal uh, with when you feel wronged in public. Except usually when Karens react, uh, they haven't been wronged and they're fabricating something in their heads. Thank God she recorded this interaction because I'm sure if she wasn't recording, uh, we wouldn't have gotten this confession from this other person. Right. So really well done there. Very well done.
All right, keep them coming. Got something for you. Double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. So damn sad, put up the picture for a mask. Uh, what we have here, we call this a cackle of carry, all right? Uh, this is how these particular individuals decided to behave. We have more information, we have background. The video posted to TikTok, but later deleted, showed these Karens harassing a food vendor near San Diego State University. In the video, the four Karens stand over Andres Arguello Alvarez. His grill, as he cooks, he works there every day. He's a hardworking guy, according to others who posted and responded. One Karen picks up a piece of food from the grill, throws it toward the camera. Now the vendor is speaking to the media. Alvarez uh, told Telemundo, people realized all the dirty things they were doing and it disgusted them. They no longer want to buy more. The student known on TikTok as Riley Kaufman 9 said in another video that Alvarez sells hot dogs in the same spot every weekend. The student also said he did nothing to provoke this. It was just the girls coming into, uh, coming into it angry and drunk and ready to start something. The Cal State um, San Marcos spokesperson said that a current student and a former student were among the four women seen harassing the vendor in the video. Alvarez said the women realized that I was Mexican, that I didn't speak English very well, and they thought, ah, we can attack him. It's so sad because our dear brother is likely correct, okay? Othering of people, uh, thinking you could treat an individual less than because of some attribute they may have or may not have. Ladies, this is going to be a tough lesson for every single one of you, but a lesson you need to learn. Humanity is a spark. That spark exists in me, it exists in you. It exists in our dear brother, Alvarez. This is how we figure out life, push and pull, lessons learned, success, failure, ups, downs, all right? You all are young enough to overcome the mistakes you've made today. But I will submit to you, I truly believe that your parents and institutions have failed you. But you're old enough now to learn these lessons yourself. Do not treat people this way. Do not undervalue the reality of humanity, it's precious. All right, Jessica, thoughts here. 
I think this is a classic case of if your parents don't raise you, the streets will learn you. Mm. And if your parents don't teach you how to act, you're gonna end up going out in public and not acting right. And guess what? Now you're on TikTok and now everybody knows what a fool you've made of yourselves. And it's because they have this notion of like, we're a group of white girls, we can act however we want in public without consequences and treat other people like they're less than us. It's really a bunch of baby Karens here. Yeah. And with all of the UFOs we're seeing lately, I really wonder if aliens first interaction with humanity is a Karen how things will go for us. Uh, I would definitely fly to another planet, but I can really imagine a Karen just being like, I think you're in the wrong neighborhood. You don't seem like you're from here and the aliens flying off. There you go. That's probably what happened while we have not made you know, official first contact. All right, we got more on the other side. These indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Always good to be with you. Listen, happy Friday. Happy Friday, okay? We deal with a lot of tough stories. We deal with a lot of content and we make a lot of change happen, all right? This is a team, you're part of that team. But happy Friday, make sure you have a good weekend, stay safe. I wanna make sure I see you back here on Monday, all right, okay? Uh, Don't forget, you can always check out Indisputable Podcast. Full episode, find us on Apple. Spotify, a bunch of places. Don't forget to give us five stars to boost the show. Um, Some lame gave me one, we're trying to overcome that. All right, I appreciate you in advance. Uh, Okay, got a few comments, let's get it. Lynn says, I'm surprised the Karen calmed down when the woman told her to. I mean, she was so reasonable. Costa Chaos, teaching a Karen empathy. Yeah, C. Michael Henson, thank you, C. Michael. Oh no, for intern Karens, <laughs> this is learned behavior. Yeah, man. All right, Gomez, four twenty, four twenty. Dr. Richie, can I get a birthday shout out? You're my favorite on TYT. Flattery will get you everywhere. Absolutely happy birthday. Thank you for the support. All right, we appreciate you. Have yourself a good weekend. A good weekend. All right. Okay. Hell of a thing, Florida teacher decides to slap a nonverbal autistic child. Let's put up the picture full mass, it's a damn shame. Kelly Falcon out of Florida is facing child abuse charges after allegedly assaulting a nonverbal autistic student earlier this month. Let me give you background on the alleged attack. Documents state that officers were called to River Springs Middle School for a report that Falcon slapped an 11 year old nonverbal student with autism. Per WESH, police then examined surveillance footage where they observed Falcon yank the student's arm forcibly hold him down and finally slap him in the face. According to the report, witnesses told police that they had seen Falcon get physical with students before. And upon questioning, questioning, she admitted she might have hit the boy because he was in her face. Now, let me just pause on this for a minute. Uh, the police spoke to witnesses after they looked at the surveillance video. 
Who do you think the witnesses were? Well, they were part of the school, okay? So they acknowledge, yes, uh, we saw her do this and we have seen her do this before. Uh, why were they not arrested? Uh, because that is contributing to the abuse. As a matter of fact, Florida has a duty to report child abuse. It is a criminal mandate, a criminal statute. They didn't do that according to the report we have currently. Now, naturally, no one believes this woman decided to get physical for the first time ever. Nobody believes that. But I do wonder why no one else is being held responsible. I'm going somewhere with this, give me just a minute. After admitting hitting the child, she was then placed under arrest. Falcon has been terminated from her job, according to the county school. The county school district released this statement of the incident. On Monday, February 20, um, 13th, excuse me, 2023, Mrs. Kelly Falcon, an ESC teacher at River Springs Middle School was arrested with charges of child abuse. This type of behavior will not be tolerated. What? The witnesses said she'd been doing this. What are you, what are you talking about it won't be tolerated? Okay. Uh, the county school has released Mrs. Falcon from her probationary period. The safety and security of our students and staff is of utmost importance to us. And we will continue to cooperate fully with the local authorities as part of this ongoing investigation. Let me tell you what you will not see in Florida after this, right? You will not see Governor Ron DeSatan hold a press conference and tell you that a new policy needs to be made to make sure they properly vet educators before having this kind of trust and access to students. You will not hear the Florida Board of Education saying these types of incidents must become a priority for us to fix in the school system because it's happening too damn much. No, they will tell you that if you bring a Winnie the Pooh book that has not been vetted by the bureaucracy set up by the political powers that be, you could be charged with a third degree felony. That's what they will tell you, that's it, they refuse to solve actual real problems. And while they throw red meat at the base, not fixing true problems, who suffers? Our children do, your children suffer. While you may like the conservative politics of Ron DeSantis, I'm talking, talking about those in Florida, you cannot ignore the reality the man is not fixing a damn thing that actually impacts you, it's giving you red meat. Were you taught critical race theory in high school? Hell no, it's not taught there. Why pass a law against it? Did you have an issue with AP African American studies? Of course you did not. But all of a sudden, that's the pivot and people celebrate it. He's not creating remedy, he's creating rhetoric for you. All right, Jessica thoughts here. Yeah, as if things could get any worse in Florida, uh, they are. When we see teachers acting like this, it's because they don't have the proper training and support. And I think moreover, you might be a bad person if you're willing to do this to a nonverbal autistic child. But are they bringing in better teachers? Are they doing better training? 
in Florida. No, under DeSantis, they've decided that instead of bringing in teachers with the proper certification and the master's degree required to teach in schools, they decided they're gonna employ veterans as teachers who don't even need a master's degree. They don't even need a bachelor's degree, which means they're not receiving the training necessary to be a teacher, not only not mastering the subject area that they're going on to teach in. What's going to happen in these Florida schools when we have books banned, like Catcher in the Rye and Animal Farm, books that every student reads that are not controversial? Not only are you limiting the scope of what you wanna be taught in the schools, but now you're hiring people intentionally that are not trained to become teachers, and moreover, have a career that's pretty violent. Is that exactly who you want to be taking care of your, your kids in schools all day? What's going on in Florida is an absolute mess under DeSantis's watch. Very well said, and let me say this, about the veteran move that you just brought up. The reason why DeSantis made that decision, and I'm talking to the veterans because he's playing you. Mm -hmm. He believes that you are indoctrinated to take orders and ask no question. So he wants to recruit people. This is what he believes. I don't believe that about all veterans, I don't, but he does. And that is why he created a program to affix you to an educational system and he wants to give you orders. He doesn't want you to question his order. He believes that you are not independent. Show him something different, all right? We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Genius, yes, nine-year-old genius, and I am here for it. Let's put up his picture, full mass. Very proud of this young man. Nine-year-old David Bulligan from Bucks County, Pennsylvania, has earned his high school diploma and is now on the hunt for colleges. David started school shortly before COVID-19 pandemic, went across the country in early 2020, and finished with over a 4.0 GPA less than three years later. David, who lives in Bensalem with his family, completed his high school classes online at the Harrisburg based Reach Cyber Charter School, where he got to focus on STEM subjects, his family told Insider. Now, what does he want to do? Of course, he wants to be an astrophysicist. <laughs> what else would he want to do? He's a genius studying black holes and supernovas, WGAL and NBC News TV affiliate in Pennsylvania first reported this story. The outlet also noted that David is a member of the exclusive High IQ Society Mensa. Uh, let's put up a picture of the happy family, all right? Now, it was really interesting because one of the parents said during the interview, uh, you know, it's kind of tough raising a nine-year-old who understands things way beyond his years. It's kind of tough, all right? And I can imagine. Since high school, David has done community college classes. His parents told Insider they are now looking for the right college where David can continue his studies. The family is considering Princeton University, the University of Pennsylvania, or, or how about Harvard? Henry and Ronya, those are the parents.
They own an outpatient psychiatric clinic together. They have multiple advanced degrees between the two of them. But here's what I love about this story. It's not really just a story about academic prowess or intellect or capacity to be smart. It's a story about humanity. I mean, this kid is a really decent individual and he has values. I encourage you to look at the full breakdown. That is what will make him effective. As I say often to my college students, nobody cares how smart you are if they don't like you. Sharon, thoughts? Well, I haven't heard that one before. Uh, maybe I need to audit your class. I love David and the whole family is a family who loves to learn. I mean, it was just beaming with pride and I am proud of him. And it reminds me the astrophysicist, the love of learning. Um, I think he'll have an opportunity to get a degree from, I think he said, maybe UPenn, Harvard, Princeton, he'll do all of it. He'll never right. stop learning. He reminds me of you, Dr. Ritchie, and I would love it one day if you have time. I'd love to see a nine-year-old Dr. Ritchie, uh, how it all began. Share the picture, share how it began. Somebody's going to end up finding one now, Sharon. You put it in the universe. Why <laughs> would you do it. that to me? I love all right. It. All right, welcome back. Listen, a cop decides to pull out a gun on a child. Here's the video. My wrist? I will oh, let you record it. For what? What yeah. are you arresting me for? Because here's the deal, okay? You didn't identify yourself. Okay. You I told, to I to told you my name. I okay. gave you my name, my first name, my last name, and my date of birth. to identify what state you're out of. I, I have said, no idea who you are. I didn't Put understand your, your question. I said, what do you mean? I said, I work here. I work here. So obviously, please call a cop. Call another cop right now. What are you doing? This man is out of control. Put up his picture full mass. North Carolina State Trooper Zachary Price decides to manhandle a mother. And you heard what he said. She says, why are you doing this? You failed to identify yourself. She says, I, I gave you my name and my information. Oh, you didn't tell me where you, what state you were from. He said this, this is on the video. Is that an arrestable offense? No, put the picture up again. Then when the child comes from the other side to see what is going on, he pulls out his gun and you see how he pulls it out? Like he's a member of the Pyru Bloods. Did you see how he pulled out the gun? 
See how he held it? As a matter of fact, a pyro gangster would never do that. Isn't that something? But this gangster did. On Twitter, one Twitter user may have identified the officer as North Carolina trooper Zachary Price. One of the woman's daughters, her name is Ariana. Ariana posted the video on her TikTok account, but the video has since been taken down and reposted on the platform Reddit. The video caption for the original post read, and I quote, so today, in Mount Olive, North Carolina, Officer Z Price pulled over my mother under the assumption that she did not have her seatbelt on. He then asked her for identification. She did not have her ID on her. After she gave him her full name and date of birth, he continued to rip my mom out of her vehicle and failed to tell her why she was being detained. After I stepped out of the vehicle to call my stepdad, he then pulled his weapon out on me and my younger sister. He did not have my mother in jail and he claimed and he claimed her to be an illegal immigrant and they also stated that my mother lied about her name being Anna. The officer failed to read her the Miranda rights. He also did not have his body cam on and refused to bring a female officer to search her. This is actually very standard protocol for most police departments now, okay? Per the Angel Link post a page started to help raise funds, Ariana alleged her mother had been arrested for countless false accusations like refusing to provide identification and taken to jail. In an update today, Ariana stated her mother was released and anything donated will go towards a lawyer and legal fees, right? If you all would like to help, please do so, please do so. Um, this is not only sad, this is an expression of a cultural problem in policing. The reason why this happens primarily is because they are not held accountable as an industry, as an industry. I know some cops are, most cops are not. Meaning the industry is not held responsible. To the 14 year old, you are brave. Allow this moment as horrible as it is to spark something inside of you to transform the world around you. You have the power to do it. The experience that you and your family went through should have never happened. But maybe out of this, you become a great, great advocate, leader, and change maker because you converted their evil energy into justice. All right, we will continue to follow this story. Um, I have some additional uh, follow-up to do with this police department. We will deal with this next week. Jessica, thoughts here? Yeah, it's just obvious that he didn't pull his gun out because his life was threatened. He pulled his right. gun out because his ego was threatened because right. this individual was not doing everything he asked. And that's a standard in policing. That's the culture of our policing today. There's no inclination there to keep people safe. He pulled her over because he thought she wasn't wearing a seatbelt and ends up trying to detain her, uh, violating her rights. And it's really all about his ego. It's really sad. Very sad. but. 
When you have an industry that protects killers, it attracts people like this. The reality is if policing was different as an industry, it would not attract the number of people who are this depraved. All right, Jessica, always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Always good to be on, on TikTok, on Twitter, and now on Substack at Cumberbank. Lovely, all right, we got more on the other side. Bullpen is next, stick and stay. All right, let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, we have CEO and actor, The Walking Dead and Slasher, among other things. Mr. Elon Shrolovich is on the program. Yes, sir, welcome, how are you? I'm good, thanks, how are you doing? Doing quite well, thank you for being here. Uh, we're gonna chop it up about police reform. The discussion has resurfaced, obviously, with mm -hmm. recent activity that has taken place uh, in Memphis and really some other places. I don't want to presume what you know, believe about police reform, its effectiveness. So if you would submit your proclamation, I would then opine. Well, I think it's it's important to start off from the baseline that there are well over 60 million police interactions a year. There are 700,000 police officers. There are negative encounters, but if you look at the really, really terrible ones where you know, a tire nickels or an unarmed person is shot and killed unlawfully. They're, you know, 10 a year, 15, 20 a year in cases like that, that get a lot of uh, attention. And so I do think police reform is necessary. I'm not against police reform. I do think the defund police movement and the general approach to it has been very negative. We've been generalizing and vilifying police in general. And the end result of that, I think, is going to be a decay of police. We're okay. going to bring we're gonna inspire people to come into the police force that are not the right kind of people. So I just think the entire approach we're taking right now is wrong. Elon, so let me first give you an opportunity to, to correct yourself. You said in the beginning of your commentary, how many? Again? Okay, I was talking about unarmed black men, the cases that become very popularized. So if you look- Who gives a damn about the cases that are popularized? Sir? No, that is the actual number of people per year. It's roughly- Lie, that is a lie. Not a lie. I will give you an opportunity to correct yourself. So you're saying, only how many again? 15 unarmed black men a year, if you look at the average. No, sir. Damn lie. Come on, man. You didn't even come prepared to have a real discussion. I did. What, so tell me what the number is. Go ahead, go ahead and give me your source. The Bureau of Justice. The Bureau of Justice said only 15 unarmed people of color were killed by the police. Yes. Tell me what the number is. Okay. So I, me, I will so provide. I will, okay. I'll, I will accept whatever number you give Thank me. Thank you. I appreciate that uh, sure. because that actually pisses me off. The fact that you would think that really 15, and by the way, even if the number is small according to you, that number is big according to those families. You see, we don't, of course. we don't weigh, understand this brother, we don't weigh crime based on the numbers, even though your numbers are wholly inaccurate. We weigh it based on the community impact. We all agree that a murder has a deeper community impact than let's say somebody slapping you in the face. That is the reason the penalty is deeper. That's the reason why the punishment is stiffer because the impact is greater. But let me go ahead and back up to your original proclamation about sure. uh, 60 million interactions. Uh, medical doctors have significant interactions with civilians on a regular basis. However, their industry is highly regulated. 
They must have malpractice insurance. And if they engage in negligence, there is a penalty and they have a duty higher than an average person. Meaning there are things that you can do that if a medical doctor does, it is illegal because they have a higher standard of care. Sure. However, for police, it flips the other way. They have a lower standard of responsibility. They are granted immunity in particular cases where everyday citizens would not receive it. And they are protected from civil liability even when they step out of line with their particular job and the administration thereof. But let's get to to specifics about the George Floyd Policing and Accountability Act. Sorry, I might just allow to respond to some of the things you said. The medical industry has 200 to 400,000 people who die every year from medical negligence. A lot of those doctors are protected by the medical community and it is covered up. And by the way, if you want to talk about a systemically racist industry where people are mistreated due to the color of their skin, you would find that more in the medical industry, but we don't see the same kind of attack on the medical industry. Well, that maybe, maybe from hold on, brother, this is my show. Maybe okay. from maybe from somebody else, but we are fair over here. Uh, we put the foot where it's supposed to be. We've discussed those same dynamics here about the medical profession, especially how they have led to the death of black women, in particular those who are carrying children, etc. So we do those shows right here on this program. But let's go back to the George Floyd Policing and Accountability Act, which is at the genesis of the reform conversation in DC. What do you disagree with? Are you in agreement with the policy reform that over 90% of Americans say must happen? 90% plus of Americans say that police reform is required on some level. What do you disagree with in the George Floyd version of it? Okay, I mean, there's a lot of other things you said which I want to respond to, but I'll be fair and I'll respond to this question. Number one, qualified immunity, the long-term effect of qualified immunity, getting rid of it, will cause an unlimited amount of frivolous lawsuits against police officers, especially with the atmosphere we live in today. Let me ask you this we, question. All right, so so let, I mean, let's, I, let's I would get, like to I got you. Brother, we, got a limited, we got a limited amount of time. Sure. Uh, you're not saying it's wrong. You're just saying you don't want cops to get sued. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying okay. that it will cause the decay of the police force and more young black men to die in communities where there's an extreme amount of okay. crime taking place right now, where policing is necessary. I lived in, me, in Carson, California. I lived okay. in Harlem, East Harlem. Right. Police are necessary in those communities. Yeah, no, nobody, sir, the George Floyd Policing and Accountability Act does not get rid of the police. It changes the mens rea on qualified immunity to no yeah. longer be intent. But right. to be negative, yes, and that- Let's, let's chop it up on that, I'm glad you brought it to that. So basically, the police would have the same rules that you have. Meaning that in order to be prosecuted for a crime, they would one, have to form man's rail or not, if they're grossly negligent and they yeah. engaged in activity that they knew or should have known would lead to the death of another human being. That is the same rule that you are under. That's the same rule that I am under. And you're saying that the police should not be under that rule. No, that's not what I'm saying. Tell me what I'm you're saying. I'm saying that it opens the door to a lot more than just neglectful homicide. It opens the door to any lawsuit, thus inhibiting okay, police again, from being able to do to their sued. job. I don't want them to have a million frivolous lawsuits that would limit the ability to do their job, prevent police from becoming police, screw over the taxpayers of completely. Lawsuits. The potential of lawsuits will destroy the industry. You know who defunds the police more than any other entity? Are you aware? No, you can inform me who defunds the police. The police. You didn't know that? I don't even understand the statement. So let me go ahead and, and qualify for you properly. Sure. Uh, 
when a cop decides to violate the rights of a citizen, when a cop decides to shoot an unarmed person of color, when a cop decides to engage in civil rights violations, the city, the county, sometimes the state, will have to foot the bill. Granted, oh, of many of them. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So and there's no one who hates a bad cop more than a good cop. I mean, so, so who defunds the police more than any other entity? The police do. So, so when you talk about tax dollars, understand what you're saying. You're saying, I'm concerned about tax dollars. If you're concerned about tax dollars, no, I'm, then I'm that means about that you are concerned police. about reform. I'm concerned about the decay of police, increased homicide that we've been seeing in populations where the police have been defunded and limited. I'm concerned about seeing the ability of police being able to do their job, like taking away chokeholds. I've been teaching close quarter combat my entire taking life. Away chokeholds. If okay. you take away people's ability to use techniques like a rear naked choke, which is mm -hmm. a safe technique when taught properly, which is a whole other part of police reform that has to be acknowledged. We need more okay. training. We need more monitoring more who becomes okay. a cop. Start at the root cause and correct people. And then start also celebrating police a little bit more, rebuilding relationships with communities where there's high crime rates so that these interactions become positive. Why do we negative. need, dear brother, please understand the point of view I'm coming from. Celebrate the police. I don't celebrate watershed management. I don't celebrate the person that deals with a government function of communication or liaison relationship with parks and recreation. I don't celebrate them per se. I respect the fact they do their jobs well when they do it well, and I don't respect it when they don't. Okay, so I, I respect and celebrate our law enforcement, and I, and I celebrate our military, the people who go out and risk their lives every day. I celebrate doctors who go into war zones and help people. I mean, there's a difference in terms of do a job you where you're putting your life on the reform required to make sure communities are safer. I, I'm saying the, the reform that has to take place has to start at the root cause, which is rebuilding relationships with communities, which is offering more training to police officers, getting in cops who are what actually- What does the community the say? What's that? You say that's the solution. What does the community say? I, look, the communities, I've lived in very rough communities. And I'm telling you that deep down in all those communities, having a police presence in Carson, right near Compton, right? All those areas, East Harlem, where I live that you wanted police around. It is a misconception Sir, that people- once again, you're conflating something that I'm not posing as and a And you question. want police to be able to do their job. If you talk to people you, over you there, police they do want, they do want strict rights. policing. Sir, you don't get sued if you do your job properly. Why? Because if the suit is frivolous, it gets kicked out on the administrative dynamic of frivolous lawsuit. If you eliminate, if you eliminate this thing called qualified immunity, which by the way, do you know the origins of qualified immunity? Are you aware? No, sir. Okay. Qualified immunity started during the civil rights era. It was magnified so that white police officers, white male police officers, could have their personal assets protected as they bashed in the heads of black children. So that when they sued those cops in federal court, the cops' assets, the home, the car, et cetera, was protected from civil liability. That is the reason you have qualified immunity on steroids in this nation. Remember, Understand the origin of a thing, you can understand the nature of a thing. That's number one. Number two, sure. Chicago has been arresting people at record rates for 11 years. Chicago has more cops than they've ever had. Chicago has more budget than they've ever had. Chicago has more authority than they've ever had. They still have more murders than they've ever had. You know why, dear brother? Because you cannot arrest yourself out of socioeconomic dysfunction. You oh, must I agree with address you. the root cause and you cannot hire enough cops to decrease crime. Every statistical point from the CDC 
to Pew Research shows if you hire more cops, you may decrease crime by 0.001%, less than 1%. However, if you allocate that funding into preventative work to stop the criminality or address the underlying causes oh, of I'm it, full you I'm, I'm now you. have a 23% opportunity to stop the crime. So why are we not talking about defund the police in agreement then, dear brother, taking no, some of that money out of the police department one, I, and putting it to the programs that work? That's a public safety model. I do agree fully that we should be putting money back into communities, 100%. We should be creating opportunities in the communities. Okay. And I do believe that if we could solve the problem of increased crime rates in the communities, that you wouldn't need as aggressive policing. But where we are today, it's proven that aggressive policing does re reduce homicide. It is a fact. I live okay, in show East me that. Agre Wait a minute, just show me where that's at. Aggressive policing go reduces homicide. Go back to Giuliani's era of, of policing in New York, which by the way, I'm not all for. By the way, mm -hmm. I'm just saying it oh, is okay. a fact that crime dropped tremendously during his What time. is that? What, what, what does that mean? Well, I'm not, Violating I'm not, a person's rights? What, what do you mean by that? No, I mean uh, police on the streets in areas where there's high crime rates, arresting people for crimes that they actually commit that mm -hmm. don't need to be serious crimes. You see it in things like when we do away with what, what, what we've done right now in Los Angeles and California in general, you're seeing an increase in crime there because you're letting people get away with petty crime, which creates an atmosphere that it's okay to get away with more severe crimes. And criminals who start with that will slowly escalate into more severe crimes. And so yes, it's proven that more aggressive policing, if you arrest people on the street who are doing graffiti, who are doing things that, or pickpocketing people are doing rough things, that those people in an environment where there is a higher crime rate will stop doing those things. It has an impact on the crime rate in that environment. But again, mm. I don't think defunding the police has any solution long-term other than All increasing right. you, homicides in neighborhoods. You're, you're simply talking in circles. So let me bring you back to your own really conclusion. Not. Think about this, what you're saying. Sure. You just admitted that these programs funded properly, implemented properly can actually reduce crime. Yes. So the defund the police movement says, great, let's take some of the money out of the bloviated police budget that's not working, allocate it to a public safety budget that addresses the underlying reasons for crime in the first place. You have to admit, if your mayor is bragging about hiring more cops, that's nothing to brag about. They're just telling you they got more crime. I want a, I want a mayor that can brag about we have to let some cops go or reassign them because our crime has decreased due to our public safety model. Do you not agree? I would love it if more money went into communities to create more opportunities and to have after school programs and all these things. I don't think the solution to it is defunding the police. No, I think the long term Defunding the that. police was a way to get your attention, to help you understand that policing is not your public safety dynamic. Public safety and policing are different. Policing is a part of it. Public safety is your overall agenda. Stop thinking that giving more money to the police will get you to a place of public safety. All right, all right, I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Thank sir, you. lively debate. Thank you. All right, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.